Act Five of Love for Love by William Congreve. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Five, Scene One A room in Forsyth's house. Angelica and Jenny. Where is Sir Sampson? Did you not tell me he would be here before me? He's at the great glass in the dining room, madame, setting his cravat and wig. How? I'm glad on it. If he has a mind I should like him, it's a sign he likes me, and that's more than half my design. I hear him, madame. Leave me, and ye hear, if Valentine should come or send, I am not to be spoken with. Scene 2 angelica sir sampson i have not been honoured with the commands of a fair lady a great while odd madam you have revived me not since i was five-and-thirty why you have no great reason to complain sir sampson that is not long ago zooks but it is madam a very great while to a man that admires a fine woman as much as i do <laughs> you're an absolute courtier sir sampson not at all madam oddsbud you wrong me i am not so old neither to be a bare courtier only a man of words odd i have warm blood about me yet and can serve a lady anyway come come let me tell you you women think a man old too soon faith and troth you do come don't despise fifty odd fifty in a hale constitution is no such contemptible age fifty a contemptible age not at all a very fashionable age i think i assure you i know very considerable bows that set a good face upon fifty fifty i have seen fifty in a side-box by candlelight out blossom five-and-twenty outsides outsides a piece take a mere outsides hang your side-box bows no i'm none of those none of your forced trees that pretend to blossom in the fall and bud when they should bring forth fruit i am of a long-lived race and inherit vigour none of my ancestors married till fifty yet they begot sons and daughters till fourscore i am of your patriarchs i a branch of one of your antediluvian families fellows that flood could not wash away well madam what are your commands has any young rogue affronted you and i shall cut his throat or no sir sampson i have no quarrel upon my hands i have more occasion for your conduct than your courage at this time to tell you the truth i am weary of living single and want a husband sir sampson aside odds bod and tis pity you should odd would she would like me then i should hamper my young rogues odd would she would faith and troth she's devilish handsome madam you deserve a good husband and twere pity you should be thrown away upon any one of these young idle rogues about the town odd there's never a young fellow worth hanging this is a very young fellow peace on them they never think beforehand of anything and if they committed matrimony tis as they commit murder out of a frolic and are ready to hang themselves or be hanged by the law the next morning odd so have a care madam therefore i ask your advice sir sampson i have fortune enough to make any man easy that i can like if there were such a thing as a young agreeable man with a reasonable stock of good nature and sense 
for i would neither have an absolute wit nor a fool art you a heart to please madam to find a young fellow that is neither a wit in his own eye nor a fool in the eye of the world is a very hard task but faith and troth you speak very discreetly for i hate both a wit and a fool she that marries a fool sir sampson forfeits the reputation of her honesty or understanding and she that marries a very witty man is a slave to the severity and insolent conduct of her husband i should like a man of wit for a lover because i would have such a one in my power but i would no more be his wife than his enemy for his malice is not a more terrible consequence of his aversion than his jealousy is of his love none of old foresight sibyls ever uttered such a truth Odsbud, you have won my heart i hate a wit i had a son that was spoiled among em a good hopeful lad till he learned to be a wit he might have risen in the state but poxant his wit run him out of his money and now his poverty has run him out of his wits sir sampson as your friend i must tell you you are very much abused in that matter he's no more mad than you are how madam would i could prove it i can tell you how that may be done but it is a thing that would make me appear to be too much concerned in your affairs sir sampson aside Hartsbud, i believe she likes me ah madam all my affairs are scarce worthy to be laid at your feet and i wish madam they were in a better posture that i might make a more becoming offer to a lady of your incomparable beauty and merit if i had peru in one hand and mexico in t'other and the eastern empire under my feet it would surely make me only a more glorious victim to be offered at the shrine of your beauty bless me sir sampson what's the matter odd madam i love you and if you would take any advice in a husband hold hold sir sampson i asked your advice for a husband and you are giving me your consent i was indeed thinking to propose something like it in jest to satisfy you about valentine for if a match were seemingly carried on between you and me it would oblige him to throw off his disguise of madness in apprehension of losing me for you know he has long pretended a passion for me gadzooks a most ingenious contrivance if we were to go through with it but why must the match only be seemingly carried on odd let it be a real contract oh fie sir sampson what would the world say say they would say you are a wise woman and i a happy man odd madam i'll love you as long as i live and leave you a good jointure when i die ay but that is not in your power sir sampson for when valentine confesses himself in his senses he must make over his inheritance to his younger brother odd your cunning a wary baggage faith and troth i like you the better but i warrant you i'll have a proviso in the obligation in favour of myself body o me i have a trick to turn the settlement upon the issue male of our two bodies begotten Odsbud, let us find children and i'll find an estate will you well do you find the estate and leave the other to me oh rogue but i'll trust you and will you consent is it a match then 
let me consult my lawyer concerning this obligation and if i find what you propose practicable i'll give you my answer with all my heart come in with me and i'll lend you the bond you shall consult your lawyer and i'll consult a parson oddzooks i'm a young man oddzooks i'm a young man and i'll make it appear odd you're devilish handsome faith and troth you're very handsome and i'm very young and very lusty oddsbud hussy you know how to choose and so do i odd i think we are very well met give me your hand odd let me kiss it tis as warm and as soft as what odd as t'other hand give me t'other hand and i'll mumble em and kiss em till they melt in my mouth hold sir sampson you're profuse of your vigour before your time you'll spend your estate before you come to it no no only give you a rent-roll of my possessions ah baggage i warrant you for little sampson odd sampson's a very good name for an able fellow your sampsons were strong dogs from the beginning have a care and don't overact your part if you remember sampson the strongest of the name pulled an old house over his head at last say you so hussy come let's go then odd i long to be pulling too come away odd so here's somebody coming scene three tattle jeremy is not that she gone out just now ay sir she's just going to the place of appointment ah sir if you are not very faithful and close in this business you'll certainly be the death of a person that has a most extraordinary passion for your honour's service ay who's that even my unworthy self sir sir i have had an appetite to be fed with your commands a great while and now sir my former master having much troubled the fountain of his understanding it is a very plausible occasion for me to quench my thirst at the spring of your bounty i thought i could not recommend myself better to you sir than by the delivery of a great beauty and fortune into your arms whom i have heard you sigh for i'll make thy fortune say no more thou art a pretty fellow and canst carry a message to a lady in a pretty soft kind of phrase and with a persuading accent sir i have the seeds of rhetoric and oratory in my head i have been to cambridge ay tis well enough for a servant to be bred at a university but the education is a little too pedantic for a gentleman i hope you are secret in your nature private close huh oh sir for that sir tis my chief talent i am as secret as the head of nilus nay who's he though a privy counsellor jeremy aside oh ignorance a cunning egyptian sir that with his arms would overrun the country yet nobody could ever find out his headquarters close dog a good whore-master i warrant him the time draws nigh jeremy 
angelica will be veiled like a nun and i must be hooded like a friar ha jeremy ay sir hooded like a hawk to seize at first sight upon the quarry it is the whim of my master's madness to be so dressed and she is so in love with him she'll comply with anything to please him poor lady i'm sure she'll have reason to pray for me when she finds what a happy exchange she has made between a madman and so accomplished a gentleman ay faith so she will jeremy you're a good friend to her poor creature i swear i do it hardly so much in consideration of myself as a compassion to her tis an act of charity sir to save a fine woman with thirty thousand pounds from throwing herself away so tis faith i might have saved several others in my time but egad i could never find in my heart to marry anybody before well sir i'll go and tell her my master's coming and meet you in half a quarter of an hour with your disguise at your own lodgings you must talk a little madly she won't distinguish the tone of your voice no no let me alone for a counterfeit i'll be ready for you scene four tattle miss prue oh mr tattle are you here i'm glad i have found you i have been looking up and down for you like anything till i'm as tired as anything in the world tattle aside oh pox how shall i get rid of this foolish girl oh i have pure news i can tell you pure news i must not marry the seaman now my father says so why won't you be my husband you say you love me and you won't be my husband and i know you may be my husband now if you please oh fie miss who told you so child why my father i told him that you loved me oh fie miss why did you do so and who told you so child who why you did did not you oh pox that was yesterday miss that was a great while ago child i have been asleep since slept the whole night and did not so much as dream of the matter but, oh but i dreamt that it was so though ay but your father will tell you that dreams come by contraries child oh fie what we must not love one another now pshaw that would be a foolish thing indeed fie fie you're a woman now and must think of a new man every morning and forget him every night no no to marry is to be a child again and play with the same rattle always oh fie marrying is a poor thing well but don't you love me as well as you did last night then no no child you would not have me 
No. Yes, but I would, though. Pshaw. But I tell you, you would not. You forget you're a woman and don't know your own mind. But here's my father. He knows my mind. Scene 5. To them, Foresight. Oh, Mr. Tattle, your servant. You are a close man. But methinks your love to my daughter was a secret I might have been trusted with. Or had you a mind to try if I could discover it by my art? Hmm, ah. I think there is something in your physiognomy that has a resemblance of her. And the girl is like me. Tattle aside. And so you would infer that you and I are alike? What does the old prig mean? I'll banter him and laugh at him and leave him. I fancy you have a wrong notion of faces. How? Oh, what? A wrong notion? How so? In the way of art, I have some taking features not obvious to vulgar eyes that are indications of a sudden turn of good fortune in the lottery of wives and promise a great beauty and great fortune reserved alone for me by a private intrigue of destiny kept secret from the piercing eye of perspicuity from all astrologers and the stars themselves oh i will make it appear that what you say is impossible sir i beg your pardon i'm in haste for what to be married sir married ay but pray take me along with you sir no sir tis to be done privately i never make confidence well but my consent i mean you won't marry my daughter without my consent who i sir i'm an absolute stranger to you and your daughter sir hey day what time of the moon is this very true sir and desire to continue so i have no more love for your daughter than i have likeness of you and i have a secret in my heart which you would be glad to know and shan't know and yet you shall know it too and be sorry for it afterwards i would have you know sir that i am as knowing as the stars and as secret as the night and i'm going to be married just now yet did not know of it half an hour ago and the lady stays for me and does not know of it yet there's a mystery for you i know you love to untie difficulties or if you can't solve this stay here a quarter of an hour and i'll come and explain it to you Scene 6. Foresight, Miss Prue. Oh, father, why will you let him go? Won't you make him to be my husband? Mercy on us! What do these lunacies portend? 
alas he's mad child stark wild what and must not i have ever a husband then what must i go to bed to nurse again and be a child as long as she's an old woman indeed but i won't for now my mind is set upon a man i will have a man some way or other oh methinks i'm sick when i think of a man and if i can't have one i would go to sleep all my life for when i'm awake it makes me wish and long and i don't know for what and i'd rather be always asleep than sick with thinking oh fearful i think the girl's influenced too hussy you shall have a rod a fiddle of a rod i'll have a husband and if you won't get me one i'll get one for myself i'll marry our robin the butler he says he loves me and he's a handsome man and shall be my husband i warrant he'll be my husband and thank me too for he told me so scene seven to them scandal mrs forsyte and nurse did he so i'll dispatch him for it presently rogue oh nurse come hither what is your worship's pleasure here take your young mistress and lock her up presently till farther orders from me not a word hussy do what i bid you no reply away and bid robin make ready to give an account of his play to linen do you hear be gone when i bid you what's the matter husband tis not convenient to tell you now a mr scandal heaven keep us all in our senses i fear there is a contagious frenzy abroad how does valentine oh i hope he will do well again i have a message from him to your niece angelica i think she has not returned since she went abroad with sir sampson nurse why are you not gone scene eight foresight scandal mrs foresight ben here's mr benjamin he could tell us if his father be come home who oh father ay he's come home with a vengeance why what's the matter matter why he's mad mercy on us i was afraid of this and there's the handsome young woman she as they say brother val went mad for she's mad too i think oh my poor niece my poor niece is she gone too well i shall run mad next well but how mad how do you mean nay i'll give you at least a guess i'll undertake to make a voyage turn to go no hold i mayn't say so neither but i'll sail as far as leghorn and back again before you shall guess at the matter and do nothing else mess you may take in all the points of the compass and not hit right your experiment will take up a little too much time why then i'll tell you there's a new wedding upon the stocks and they two are going to be married to rights who why father and the young woman i can't hit of her name angelica ay the same sir sampson and angelica impossible that may be but i'm sure it is as i tell you 
It's a death. It's a jest. I can't believe it. Look, you friend, it's nothing to me whether you believe it or not. But I say it's true, you see. They are married. Or just going to be married. I know not which. Well, but they are not mad. That is, not lunatic. I don't know what you may call madness. She's mad with her husband, and he's horn mad, I think. Or they ne'er make a match together. And here they come. Scene 9. To them, Sir Sampson, Angelica, Buckram. Where is this old soothsayer, this uncle of mine elect? Aha! Old Foresight! Uncle Foresight! Wish me joy, Uncle Foresight, double joy, both as uncle and astrologer. Here's a conjunction that was not foretold in all your ephemeris. The brightest star in the blue firmament is shot from above in a jelly of love, and so forth. And I'm lord of the ascendant, odd. You're an old fellow, Foresight, uncle, I mean, a very old fellow, uncle, Foresight, and yet you shall live to dance at my wedding, faith and troth you shall. Odd, we'll have the music of the spheres for thee, old Lily, that we will, and thou shalt lead up a dance in Via Lactea. I'm thunderstruck. You are not married to my niece? Not absolutely married, uncle, but very near it, within a kiss of the matter, you see. Kisses Angelica. <laughs> This very true indeed, uncle. I hope he'll be my father and give me. That he shall, or I'll burn his globes. Body of me, he shall be thy father. I'll make him thy father, and thou shalt make me a father, and I'll make thee a mother, and we'll beget sons and daughters enough to put the weekly bills out of countenance. Death and hell. Where's Valentine? Scene 10. Sir Sampson, Angelica, Foresight, Mrs. Foresight, Ben Buckram. This is so surprising. How? What does my aunt say? Surprising, aunt? Not at all for a young couple to make a match in winter? Not at all? It's a plot to undermine cold weather and destroy the usurper of a bed called a warming pan. I'm glad to hear you have so much fire in you, Sir Sampson. Miss, I fear his fire is little better than tinder. Mayhap it will only serve to light up a match with somebody else. The young woman's a handsome young woman, I can't deny it. But, father, if I might be your pilot in this case, you should not marry her. Eh? It's just the same thing as if so be you should sail so far as the straits would have provision. Who gave you authority to speak, Sarah? To your element, fish, be mute fish, and to the sea, rule your helm, Sarah. Don't direct me. Well, well, take you care of your own helm, or you mayn't keep the new vessel steady. Why, you impudent tarpaulin, sirrah, do you bring your forecastle jests upon your father? But I shall be even with you. I won't give you a groat. Mr. Buckram, is the conveyance so worded that nothing can possibly descend to this scoundrel? I would not so much as have him have the prospect of an estate, though there were no way to come to it but by the northeast passage. Sir, it is drawn according to your directions. There is not the least cranny of the law unstopped. Lawyer, I believe there's many a cranny and leak unstopped in your conscience. If so be that one had a pump to your bosom, I believe we should discover a foul hold. They say a witch will sail in a sieve, but I believe the devil would not venture aboard on your conscience, and that's for you. Hold your tongue, sirrah. How now? Who's here? Scene 11. To them, Tattle and Mrs. Frail. 
Oh, sister, the most unlikely accident. What's the matter? Oh, the two most unfortunate poor creatures in the world we are. Bless us. How so? Ah, Mr. Tattle and I. Poor Mr. Tattle and I are... I can't speak it out. Nor I, but poor Mrs. Frail and I are... Married. Married? How? Suddenly, before we knew where we were, that villain Jeremy, by the help of disguises, tricked us into one another. Why, you told me just now you went hence in haste to be married. But I believe Mr. Tattle meant the favour to me. I thank him. I did, as I hoped to be saved, madam. My intentions were good. But this is the most cruel thing. To marry, one does not know how, nor why, nor wherefore. The devil take me if ever I was so much concerned at anything in my life. "'Tis very unhappy if you don't care for one another. "'The least in the world. "'That is for my part. "'I speak for myself. "'Gad, I never had the least thought of serious kindness. "'I never liked anybody less in my life. "'Poor woman. "'Gad, I'm sorry for her too, "'for I have no reason to hate her neither.' But I believe I shall lead her a damned sort of a life. Mrs. Forsyte to Frail. He's better than no husband at all, though he's a coxcomb. Mrs. Frail to her. Aye, aye, it's well it's no worse. Nay, for my part, I always despised Mr. Tattle of all things. Nothing but his being my husband could have made me like him less. Look you're here, I thought as much. Pox on it. I wish we could keep it secret. Why, I don't believe any of this company would speak of it. But, my dear, that's impossible. The parson and that rogue Jeremy will publish it. Aye, my dear, so they will, as you say. Oh, you'll agree very well in a little time. Custom will make it easy to you. Easy? Box on it! I don't believe I shall sleep tonight. Sleep, quotha? No, why you would not sleep, oh, your wedding night? I'm an older fellow than you, and don't mean to sleep. Oh, there's another match now. So a couple of privateers were looking for a prize, and should fall foul of one another. I'm sorry for the young man with all my heart. Look, you friend, if I'm made by you, and she's going, that you must expect. I have experience of her. When she's going, let her go. But no matrimony is tough enough to hold her. And if she can't drag her anchor along with her, she'll break her cable, I can tell you that. Oh, who's here? The madman? Scene the last. Valentine, Scandal, Sir Sampson, Angelica, Forsyte, Mrs. Forsyte, Tattle, Mrs. Frail, Ben, Jeremy, Buckram. No, here's the fool. 
and if occasion be, I'll give it under my hand. How now? Sir, I'm come to acknowledge my errors and ask your pardon. What? Have you found your senses at last, then? In good time, sir. You were abused, sir. I never was distracted. Ah, oh, not mad. Mr. Scandal? Nay, no, really, sir. I'm his witness. It was all counterfeit. I thought I had reasons, but it was a poor contrivance. The effect has shown it such. Contrivance? What, to cheat me? To cheat your father? Sirrah, could you hope to prosper? Indeed, I thought, sir, when the father endeavoured to undo the son, it was a reasonable return of nature. Very good, sir. Mr. Buckram, are you ready? Come, sir, will you sign and seal? If you please, sir, but first I would ask this lady one question. Sir, you must ask me leave first. That lady? No, sir. You shall ask that lady no questions till you have asked her blessing, sir. That lady is to be my wife. I have heard as much, sir, but I would have it from her own mouth. That's as much as to say I lie, sir, and you don't believe what I say. Pardon me, sir, but I reflect that I very lately counterfeited madness. I don't know, but the frolic may go round. Come, Chuck, satisfy him, answer him. Come, come, Mr. Buckram, the pen and ink. Here it is, sir, with the deed. All is ready. Valentine goes to Angelica. Tis true, you have a great while pretended love to me. Nay, what if you were sincere? Still, you must pardon me if I think my own inclinations have a better right to dispose of my person than yours. Are you answered now, sir? Yes, sir. Where's your plot, sir? and your contrivance now. Will you sign, sir? Come, will you sign and seal? With all my heart, sir. Sir Death, you are not mad indeed to ruin yourself. I have been disappointed of my only hope, and he that loses hope may part with anything. I never valued fortune, but as it was subservient to my pleasure, and my only pleasure was to please this lady. I have made many vain attempts, and find at last that nothing but my ruin can effect it, which, for that reason, I will sign to. Give me the paper. Angelica aside. Generous Valentine. Here is the deed, sir. But where is the bond by which I am obliged to sign this? Sir Sampson, you have it. No, I have it. And I'll use it as I would everything that is an enemy to Valentine. Tears the paper. How now? Ha! Ah! Angelica to Valentine. Had I the world to give you, it could not make me worthy of so generous and faithful a passion. Here's my hand. My heart was always yours, and struggled very hard to make this utmost trial of your virtue. Between pleasure and amazement I am lost, but on my knees I take the blessing. Oons, what is the meaning of this? Mess, here's the wind changed again. Father, you and I may make a voyage together now. 
well sir sampson since i have played you a trick i'll advise you how you may avoid such another learn to be a good father or you'll never get a second wife i always loved your son and hated your unforgiving nature i was resolved to try him to the utmost i have tried you too and know you both you have not more faults than he has virtues and tis hardly more pleasure to me that i can make him and myself happy than that i can punish you if my happiness could receive addition this kind surprise would make it double hoons you are a crocodile really sir sampson this is a sudden eclipse you are an illiterate old fool and i'm another <clears throat> if the gentleman is in disorder for want of a wife i can spare him mine to jeremy oh are you there sir i'm indebted to you for my happiness sir i ask you ten thousand pardons twas an errant mistake you see sir my master was never mad nor anything like it then how could it be otherwise tattle i thank you you would have interposed between me and heaven but providence laid purgatory in your way you have but justice i hear the fiddles that sir samson provided for his own wedding methinks tis a pity you should not be employed when the match is so much mended valentine thought it be morning we may have a dance anything my friend everything that looks like joy and transport call him jeremy i have done dissembling now valentine and if that coldness which i have always worn before you should turn to an extreme fondness you must not suspect it i'll prevent that suspicion for i intend to dote to that immoderate degree that your fondness shall never distinguish itself enough to be taken notice of if ever you seem to love too much it must be only when i can't love enough have a care of promises you know you are apt to run more in debt than you are able to pay therefore i yield my body as your prisoner and make your best on it the music stays for you dance well madam you have done exemplary justice in punishing an inhuman father and rewarding a faithful lover but there is a third good work which i in particular must thank you for i was an infidel to your sex and you have converted me for now i am convinced that all women are not like fortune blind in bestowing favours either on those who do not merit or who do not want them tis an unreasonable accusation that you lay upon our sex you tax us with injustice only to cover your own want of merit you would all have the reward of love but few have the constancy to stay till it becomes your due men are generally hypocrites and infidels they pretend to worship but have neither zeal nor faith 
how few like valentine would persevere even to martyrdom and sacrifice their interest to their constancy in admiring me you misplace the novelty the miracle to-day is that we find a lover true not that a woman's kind end of act five epilogue sure providence at first designed this place to be the player's refuge in distress for still in every storm they all run hither as to a shed that shields them from the weather but thinking of this change which last befell us it's like what i have heard our poets tell us for when behind our scenes their suits are pleading to help their love sometimes they show their reading and wanting ready cash to pay for hearts they top their learning on us and their parts once of philosophers they told us stories whom as i think they called pi pythagores i'm sure this some such latin name they give em and we who know no better must believe em now to these men say they such souls were given that after death never went to hell nor heaven but lived i know not how in beasts and then when many years were past in man again methinks we players resemble such a soul that does from bodies we from houses stroll thus aristotle's soul of old that was may now be damned to animate an ass or in this very house for aught we know is doing painful penance in some bow and thus our audience which did once resort to shining theatres to see our sport now find us tossed into a tennis court these walls but the other day were filled with noise of roaring gamesters and your dammy boys then bounding balls and rackets they encompassed and now they're filled with jests and flights and bombasts i vow i don't much like this transmigration strolling from place to place by circulation grand heaven we don't return to our first station i know not what these think but for my part i can't reflect without an aching heart how we should end in our original a cart but we can't fear since you're so good to save us that you have only set us up to leave us thus from the past we hope for future grace i beg it and some here know i have a begging face then pray continue this your kind behaviour for a clear stage won't do without your favour end of love for love by william congreve